Hell yeah, dude. Back in what, like 2003? Sick, like, alone if MP3 you players. Yeah, if you waited a year, they would have gone down half in price. Oh, yeah. This is my iPad Nano. They, like, hand out. The screen's has, crushed. It has eight gigabytes. Yeah. I could hold 24 But I've got, like, songs. the whole discography of Def Leppard on here, <laughs> so that's sick. Linkin Park. <laughs> Motorsports Podcast with the owner of Bent Motorsports, David Beckett, and his crew, Jacob Hunsinger, James Hernandez, and Jake Russo. Listen in as the guys discuss all things motorsports, including tech tips and current shop projects. Yeah, you know what? Let's get into it, right, guys? It's been how many months since we did a podcast? August? Five, right? It's been since August 17th, we talked about Holcomb Creek, so I'm um, killing it on doing a podcast a week, um, really nailing it. Yeah, we, we started a hiatus. Yet. Yeah, we needed a hiatus. We could blame it on COVID, but let's be honest, that's not what it was, because we worked every day. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to like venture out, maybe go into the shop, you know, go on vacation on the weekend. Yeah. You come back, you get a fresh mind, you know, that's, where, that's why we're here now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Were we supposed to be on vacation that whole time? No, no, not at all. Russo was apparently on vacation that whole time bills, in his brain. Dude, you got to pay bills. So what are we going to talk about? Let's talk about, let's talk about our most recent uh, uh, antics we had here, and that was with Jake Russo and his <laughs> Jeep engine exploding on the freeway. You can't tell him that part already. What? No, was that the giveaway? Just backspace, the backspace, yeah, backspace, yeah, backspace. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so here's the dealio. I. Put up the Jeep for sale. Put and up the Jeep. This is his 2001 TJ two-door mm-hmm. anniversary, edition. anniversary edition. I don't know if you know this or yeah, not, but that, they only made a few of those. Yeah. so Especially in black. One of 1,800, actually. Well, yeah. So big, he's a big oh, deal. Kind of a big deal. Everybody. You know, like they're fetching top dollar these days. Top I dollar. I only had one person that was interested. So Chrome grill. This, yeah, this one person that was interested wanted to trade me for a truck. So he came up. He looked at the Jeep. So, um, What was kind it? of truck was it? It Hold on, hold on. Okay. So give us some good it details. Was, yeah, keep going. I, we're still in the works right now. The guy went out of town for uh, Christmas and New Year's and stuff like that, so I'm waiting to see when he comes back to figure out the details of it. But it's a 96 K2500 um, extended cab, long bed, with um, a oh God. 6.5. Oh, oh the 6.5 So the complete liter, opposite of what you have right now. For sure. I went from, like, the shortest wheelbase possible to, like, the land yacht. I've actually. What were they called? Cowboy Cadillacs. You know. Land yacht. <laughs> land yacht. So it's got the six five uh, Detroit turbo diesel. It has a MV forty five hundred manual five speed, which is the same one that they hooked up to the six BTS back in whatever Gen Dodge Cummins that was. Um, and then it has a MP two forty one C transfer case, which is. I think the sa- same size casings that they put in the Rubicon, but different variant of it. So, I don't know. To me, like, it's got some cool bones to it. And I don't know if I'm going to make it into a wheeler or if I'm just, I don't know what's going to happen. Anyway, so me and Jake planned, I actually forced him to go down and look at it with me because I, if I went down there by myself, I'd get all googly-eyed and just 
drop the drop the hammer on it right away. So I had to have somebody there to mellow yeah, me out. Yeah, he'd just like pop his top over that NP two forty one and the, yeah. the CBABCs and the uh -huh. this. It's so you're telling me it had a transmission. Yeah, it had a wow, transmission. Wow, amazing. Uh huh. So me and Jake go down there. Uh, had probably one of the best breakfast burritos I've had in my life. Oh well, sidebar, where was that? No. No? Yeah, dude, it's secret. It's the Great the White no. Buffalo. <laughs> I can't tell anybody. It's about called it. Penelope's. Penelope's. It's it was bomb. down in what El Cajon or Santee? Penelope's. Yeah, pretty close to SESU, I think. All right. So anyway, we go down there and look at it. Everything was good. Trying to make a deal work with this guy, and so on the to way to trade your perfectly good daily driver Wheeler Jeep. Is it that good for? Riddle me this, Batman. Is it no, that good? No, I mean, it's fine. That's just well, my question. Now, now it's better. <laughs> continue, continue, continue. So we get, we're on our way back to the freeway, which is like all of two minutes from this guy's house to the freeway. And right when we're about to get on the freeway, it started making this like ticking sound, which sounded like it was something like a wire or something hitting the firewall, you know? Like it was very subtle. And so it just kept ticking. And <laughs> we get on the freeway, start cruising down the freeway uh, a couple minutes. Both of us are kind of looking at each other. Just, yeah, it's a weird sound, isn't it? Yeah, that's a weird sound. It kind of changes with the throttle, you know? Like, yeah, that's weird. Keep driving. A couple minutes later, dude, that's a weird sound. Like, I can't <laughs> figure out what it is, you know? <laughs> so we just keep driving. And all of a sudden, you just hear the thing go. <laughs> it just sounded like fucking marbles in a, in a trash can, you know? And it was just like, oh, that wasn't good. So we pulled off to the side. There's, like, oily smoke coming out everywhere, so we couldn't really see anything. And then kind of, like, the smoke settled. We're just sitting on the side of the freeway. Smoke settled, and you, you could just look down, like, between the intake manifold and the exhaust header just perfectly enough to see the bottom of the oil pan. And I think that's when we realized that there was just a giant hole in the side of the block where a piston had evacuated. <laughs> <laughs> Tired so, of this shit. Yeah, so it gave up. Um, called AAA. Got that all figured out. Kevin actually came down to the rescue and, and picked us up because due to COVID, you cannot go in the tow truck with the guys. They will take you to the nearest exit and drop you there to, for you to get a ride like so you can get off the freeway. So, so wait a minute. So, so with COVID, you're not allowed to ride in a tow truck with a guy, but you can ride in an Uber or a cab with somebody. Yes, exactly. Okay, makes sense. I'm just writing down some notes, taking some notes. Precisely. So, anyway, it gets towed back to the shop. Adding stuff up. And that was that was Saturday. Um, I didn't want to even touch it because I was just fed up with it. And then Sunday morning, I cracked into it. And I think by Monday morning, we had it pulled out um, completely. And then it literally looked like the thing threw up in the shop because there was just parts everywhere. Um, and then... I ended up posting on one of the local, I think it was like SoCal Jeeps on Facebook or something like that, SoCal TJs, and one of the guys I posted on there, anybody have a four-liter engine for sale? I need one for my 2001. So this guy reaches out, and he goes, yeah, give me a call. I got several of them. So I call him up, and basically he had a couple different variants of them, you know, all different years and stuff like that. And so me and Kevin ended up loading up his, uh, loading up his Ford. And drove all the way up to Lancaster. Yep. So, which was like three and a half hours at least. Um, cruised all the way up there. The guy was super cool. He actually had um, dirt every, or not dirt every day. Yeah, dirt every day. Uh, Fred and Dave did an episode there where they built a Jeep from the junkyard and drove it all the way back from Lancaster to San Luis Obispo. 
I remember that episode. What, yeah. What's the name of this guy's? Um, it's basically like a Jeep wrecking yard, essentially, right? Yeah, dude, and he was super cool. So he ended up, he had probably, I don't know, forty Jeep carcasses laying around his property. Had probably three big containers that he had engines and flywheels and just parts galore inside of. He had a big shop. Um, he had kind of like his personal builds in there as well as other builds that he was working on. Super um, cool stuff in there. Yeah, some really cool stuff. So that his company was called Sergeant Jeep. Um, so if any of you guys need anything, it was it was a pleasure to to go up there and hang out. We kind of shot the shit for a while. His name's um, Tommy. It is Tommy. my pleasure to serve you. Oh my. Yes. 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 <laughs> he did serve us. Yeah. Not yeah, only a Jeep engine and and a clutch and flywheel, but he was also in the military, and uh, does stuff with aviation wiring now. So he's he was a very smart, down to earth dude. Yeah, for sure. And uh, from his house, you could actually see Willow Springs Raceway, which was cool. I wish there was stuff going on there because we for sure would have stopped and checked that out for a minute. Isn't that the fastest raceway in the West? Is it? I, I think, think is that their slogan? Well, that's it's Button Willow. Uh, I think that's Button Willow. But either way, it was cool because like you see videos of Button or Willow Springs, right? But you don't see. I already the, got you, buddy. What? <laughs> I'm already mixing I you know, up here. I know. I know. Like Button Springs. But, button Springs Willow. Uh, <laughs> but you can't see like the actual elevation of that place. And there's a lot of elevation change because it's right pitched up along this like big, big mountainous area, right? So it was kind of cool to see it. We didn't see it super up close, but it was cool to see it from afar. You know, you can kind of get in a, a grasp of, of how rad that track is really. That's wicked. So anyway, me and Kevin loaded up. We got an engine. We got a new clutch. We also, f I actually tripped over a sway bar with the electronic disconnect for one of our buddies. So... I picked that up for Todd. It was um, a good haul. His wife was super stoked with me. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what? Yeah. Wait, wait, what? Stoked she, she as in not. Me, she came up to me the other day. She goes, Jake, I'm so happy you found that for Todd. God, what would he have done without that? Oh, my God. And I was like, hey, I'm just doing my job, you know? <laughs> job security. <laughs> so, yeah, we ended up driving back. Got back to the shop, I think, at like 6.30 or 7. And then uh let's see we had a job that took up saturday which was fine i guess ken <laughs> okay and next. then sunday sunday i started putting the engine in and actually saturday evening david kevin and myself got and ken i guess he helped too we ended up getting the engine mounted to the trans got it on its motor mounts all self-sufficient and holding itself up so all i had to do on sunday was hook up everything and so monday morning it drove out of the shop it sounds i think way better i realized that there was no exhaust gaskets on it like at all before so there was <laughs> definitely some things that needed to be changed out um but yeah it was good the engine worked out really good um i put a new clutch in it that feels great so so it was, it was essentially it was a one week turnaround exactly right it was just about one week of a turnaround um and now you have a perfectly good motor in it and you're still gonna swap it to a guy for a pos 96 chevy i think so I think so. <laughs> what do you drive, James? <laughs> uh, I I drive a bitchin' '99 Chevy. It's way different. Gotcha. Big difference there. Yeah, it's mint. It's what we call mint. Super mint, mint condition. Yeah. Mint. I was actually just looking at it outside. It's super clean. Yeah. I really Did you guys see it. the other one that's for sale over at the uh, auction yard? No. There's a. Is a, it mint? Is it? Well, it has right in the middle of the roof the amber like Caltrans lights. Oh. My on the roof <laughs> and it's right in front of the auction house for sale out front with a for sale sign on it 
could snag that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know there was an auction house over here. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Every Friday. I bought a 1996 BMW 328i front. And I drove yeah. it a lot. Whatever happened to that thing? I sold it for exactly the amount of money I put into it. Sick. $1,100. Nice. That's a win. That's not a loss. No, that is actually very much a win. It might have been a little bit more, but when you factor in my time, which <laughs> nobody does. No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> we don't We do not do that around here. Why would we do that? Um, it takes away all the dealiness that we get. Yeah, right? You feel so – it's so much more, like, satisfying when you're like, yeah, dude, I made out like a bandit on that thing. Like, don't count the f- 40 hours I had <laughs> in the last week. All the parts you had to buy out. Yeah, no, yeah. we have to factor in parts, everybody, okay? Factor in so, parts. so, Russo, you, you're going to get rid of the Jeep and you're going to buy this Chevy. So is the goal to do something with the Chevy so you can go off-roading with us? Because that's kind of what we do. I don't know yet. Didn't you I buy the Jeep in the first place because you really wanted to go off-roading with everybody? Yeah, and I love it. And then now you're not. You know you can't do so that in that truck, right? Here's here's the other thing that I was kind of debating on too, right? Was I was five seconds away from building the Jeep and spending a lot of money on it. And then I started thinking about it, and I really realized that with how small it was, I really wanted an LJ, and I really wanted to build an LJ instead. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> <laughs> what with the truck? Because because I wanted so I wanted to get an LJ because they were bigger. They're going to be worth more no matter what. Like every way you look at it, it's a better vehicle in my opinion, at least. You're think, you're correct. I think you just I think you're kind of a sadist. I think you're kind of also insatiable, and I think you constantly need to be giving yourself problems that your Jeep was just running too good and having too little problems that didn't yeah. give you anything to do in your spare time. Exactly. And yeah. There's, you didn't have any money pits around because your BMW is mostly built now. So, I mean, I what are you going to just start that. dumping money? Oh, nope. And you bought a mountain bike. I did. And But then it, that thing runs fine. So, yeah. <laughs> there's no problems there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was just one of those things. Like, I really wanted to not spend the money on this TJ and build something like an LJ that I was going to be way more stoked on in the end. Something that's going to be worth more until it end. runs good and doesn't give you any problems for I, a while, yeah, and then I you'll decide so. that I'm, something I'm else. Needs. I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, so, I think no, we're all guilty there. of that. <laughs> no, here, so his first plan was. I just okay. wanted you to admit it so that we could all be on the same page. Because I don't, I don't unsubscribe from that philosophy at all. But at least I don't try to sit over here and go. I think it'd just be a better idea to sell my perfectly good car and build a race car. I am, because it's like it makes more sense. <laughs> no, I'm like no, I'm just bored and I like. I think that's what we all do anyway. (laughs) Exactly. I'm getting out of a monthly payment. Well, actually, that's pretty good. Not if you get an LJ also. So that was was part of the thing was like, if I got an LJ, I would have added to the monthly payment. So this way I'm going backwards, obviously, but I'm also not having a monthly payment. This uh, podcast should be titled A Case Study and How Men Justify Stupid Shit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, no, because a case study would have a conclusion. I don't think we're going to find the answer. The conclusion is we're right. The conclusion is just, it just says, answer, men. Yeah. Yeah. That's the answer. Jeep guy. Hashtag Jeep thing. No, see, Jake wanted an LJ, so he's like, wait, I'm not going to dump all this money into this Jeep here. I'm going to save this money, flip this, get an LJ, dump all the money into the LJ, because then in the end I'll have what I want. But then this shiny object over here, which was really just rust, was this name. Chevy. And then he got distracted by that Chevy. So rust now we're going down listen. that. The Chevy is really nice, though. I've obviously only seen it in pictures, but it, it's pretty <laughs> fucking rad. And you know me, guys. I encourage all things 
David does. David will not tell you no. Yeah, you'll come to me and say, what do you think about this? I need your honest opinion. I'll go, you should for sure buy that. Yeah. Sell your perfectly <laughs> good running Jeep and buy that. His 100%. honesty is so key. But, uh, but <laughs> the thing is, is I'm not lying to you. I'm honest. I want you to buy it. That's why I said you're honest. I mean, it's, <laughs> key. it's neutral chaos. It's not his. He doesn't have to do anything about it. He just wants if you to want somebody to talk you out of it, go talk to your girlfriend or your wife. Yeah. I'm not going to talk you out of it. No That's way. for sure. No way. James, what's going on in your life? All right. We haven't seen you for a while. I mean, we see James a lot, but he has his own life where you don't have a life. James has a life, so we'd like to hear about his life. I really, I really don't. But I got a job at a motorcycle warehouse for a while, and I saved up all my money, and I stopped working there because it was not my jam. It was not for you. Yeah. Warehouses are hard. Assembly lines are hard. You know what? I think we've all celebrated uh, Mr. Ford a little bit too much. I think maybe yeah. he was a D-bag and that the assembly line sucked. Well. Modern um, manufacturing might disagree with me, but uh, I don't know. Maybe you go work on an assembly line for six months, and you tell me if you like assembly lines or not. What did I you think, do there? I rest my case. I think there's a lot of people out there, though, that the assembly line is exactly what they want, right? Just mindless. Yeah, they're the people who own the company. No. <laughs> <laughs> and no, if I owned a company, gotta, I, too, would love to have an assembly you line. You got a point Listen, just I watching things get done and just sitting there like, yep, oh, there's man. another one. There's another oh, one. Oh, my God, there's it keeps happening. There's keeps a paycheck. Not yeah. everybody can have your level of ambition or your ability to sleep in past your alarm. So, I mean, I could I mean, you want to work on an assembly line, you got to be up at, like, 4 in the morning, right? I had to be up at 6. Yeah, that's the part you didn't like, let's be honest. Yeah, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. Five more minutes, Dad. So you did the same thing every day? Yeah, it sucked. What did you do there? I did uh, condition reports on motorcycles. And um, I just can't be, you know, you had to, like, just be in the same spot all day, doing the same thing all day. Yep, no fucking thanks. I get tired of that real quick. Dude, I don't even like sleeping in my fucking bed because you only have one pillow and, like, six square feet to sleep on. seven pillows. You don't like your bed? Like, every one. No, I don't. Actually, I don't sleep well anyway. I I love my bed. I walk in my room and I get all, I smile real big. I go, oh, God, there it is. He starts rubbing his tummy. <laughs> There's my bed. I'm coming for you. So that was just, an, uh, that was just a uh, segue here. I bought a motorcycle, a dirt bike this year. Yeah, buddy. I've been wanting to buy a dirt bike since I was eight years old. And eight years old, and of who couldn't legally work, which is, you know, I need, we need to do something about child labor laws in this country because eight-year-olds are, the world over want dirt bikes and they're not allowed to get jobs for them. What's up with that? You got to get a paper route. <laughs> so yeah, I was and not getting paid. That yeah. actually has me wondering now. Cause when I was little in the borough on the East coast, I used to like push around my lawnmower and weed whacker and people paid me. So was that That's technically illegal? No, like, it was your own business. You weren't employing yourself. Employing you would have been illegal. But I feel like a lot of things oh, back so then were not illegal. I think everything now is illegal. No, but you can have a you can my my kid who's you know say my kid's nine years old they they can have a business you can start a business yeah he's got a bank account I had to be eighteen I don't know man I mean, look somebody legally. out there's probably going look Dave you can't do that but both my kids owned all right they were illegal businesses but they were they were businesses <laughs> yeah what was it I think I was fourteen in Philly when I was allowed to be on legal payroll and I couldn't work more than two and a half hours a day after school. And no more than five hours on the weekend. Yeah, but that's for working for somebody. Under that's 18? Yes. Yeah, I work. I had some weird. Under 16. Oh, under 16. Under 16, okay. yes. Yeah, because I was going to say I was a Christmas tree delivery guy. 
And I was David just under... touched my fucking lip. While moving my microphone. Kevin turns his head when he talks and it was like, misses the microphone completely. We had a whole conversation about this <laughs> yeah. before the podcast and he's fucking it up all the way. Noob. So I bought a bike. That's so cool. you bought a dirt bike. <laughs> no, but did you yeah, I was kind of telling a story here, but... Uh... Derailed. No, yeah. Uh, first dirt bike, $600. Didn't run, but I, I was smart enough to, of course. You got to grab your buddy when you go and look at these things. <laughs> it's just part of it. This is a great deal. Of, yeah, I grabbed Jake, and I mean, we looked at it, and it was actually an incredibly clean motorcycle. And uh, the guy was just the biggest chiller I've ever met. Nice guy. Yeah, and Jake was like, if you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> Did you buy it like, in California? That's how good of a deal yeah, it was. Bought right here. It was literally like eight miles from my house, probably. Oh, wow. And I caught it like, you know, 16 minutes after it was posted. Yeah. And oh, shit. the guy said, the guy said by the time I got there, he had like 30 like messages. They were blowing him up. Oh, wow. Yeah, pe- we were people there. were like trying to pry it from his hands while I was trying to hand him the money. And I was $50 short. And I was like, sorry, they, like my, the ATM only let me pull out this much money. And he was like, I don't care, dude. Like, here. Here you go. Here's the bike. Super chiller. And then delivered yeah. it for us. Oh, yeah. Oh, he even shit. drove it back over oh, here right. in his yeah. truck to Bent because I had my truck, and I was like, well, maybe I can lay it on his side or something. And he's like, dude, no, I'll direct drive it over there. So really rad guy. So thus begins the saga. It did not run. He said it was fouling plugs, and I looked at a bunch of stuff, and it could have been the you know gasket between your freaking clutch and your <laughs> all kinds of bottom end craziness, right? And I was just like, this is no, I changed the spark plug. I got a new gas in there. I cleaned the carb. Oh, I got nice reeds for it because it's two stroke. Wait, that's our that's our guard dog. Sorry. Don't nobody worry. Blaze, Blaze, awesome. awesome. Crazy in 2020. And uh, yeah, and it runs perfectly. It literally like ran. So I took it out to the track one day. Never been to a track before. That scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but I needed so intimidated. Oh yeah, they really are. Man. I needed to test it, and I was like, I don't want to go out to the desert and then have it break in the desert and then be in the desert. I was like, if I'm at a track, I just will like push it like a couple hundred yards back to my truck, and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, Track's again, a great way to learn how to ride a dirt bike, honestly. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I want to go back. It was so much fun. But and yeah, and then I uh, went out with David and the family, and apparently, so weird that. All this time, everybody who's owned a truck and everything, they go out to the desert, they go out on trails, and it's so much fun. And I don't own trucks, so I've always been filming and stuff. And then when I get something fun to go out on, everybody just stops going to have fun on the trails in the desert. It's just odd. Odd. You were the only – I mean, I go all the time. I'm always there. <laughs> I haven't seen Russo or Jake out on the trails. I have nothing to go to the trails on right now, okay? My stuff is I'll be joining you soon. I'm in between. But – but since you stopped, brought that up, yes. What do you yes. What do you have? Yes. Yeah. What did you find something to go to the desert with us? Yes, I found uh, an explorer that I'm going to solid axle swap. Oh my god! I'm going to get you. You'll you'll slip up. Yeah. I, will. <laughs> uh, I can see him sweating. I don't sweat. <laughs> he doesn't sweat. Uh-huh. Just hydrated. He just gets moist. I, gl- I glisten. This is the meat of this podcast. Meat. If we haven't knocked everybody else ah, off beef. by this time. Ah, beef. <laughs> ah, beef. Uh, the, this podcast is about the things that you need to know. If you want to solid axle swap a rig. That's true. So that's what we should really talk about. So we've mentioned in the past Jake's Explorer and that he's going to solid axle swap it. 
Well, now he's um, uh, actually going to do it. Actually involved in it, and he's accumulated parts, and he's getting ready to to start cutting away. So I don't know if you want to go into some of the um, uh, if you can think of anything that that you want to talk about that maybe you didn't anticipate that was a surprise or any hurdles you had to get over or things that people need to think about when they're standing there staring at their vehicle thinking I'm going to solid axle swap this. What are some things that they need to really truly consider? So the first thing that I seem to uh, run into and try to put a lot of effort into was I don't. I'm trying to build this thing to where I don't really have to touch it for a while. I'm really tired of working on my mediocre vehicles and uh I just have I've never had something I've never had a vehicle that was like fully built. So this will be as close to that as possible and I'm just tired of working on my stuff. I want to use it. So I tried to overbuild try in the process of trying to overbuild it as best as I can. And the first thing that I wanted to overbuild was the steering. I wasn't going to do hydraulic assist cuz Maybe if somebody else could find the math to make it more price friendly, but for me it just was not. It was pricey to buy a RAM and do all that stuff. So and get a ported box. I think the ported box was another three hundred dollars, and I was trying to go off of funds from selling. What's the, what's a ported box? Uh, so the ports on the side of the steering. There's they drill ports into the steering box to power an auxiliary hydraulic RAM to assist like larger tire diameters Got going in the rocks. I mean this is yeah. all this is all very uh important because like I'm Joe Schmo trailer and I want to solid axle swap my IFS rig. I mean I I even right now I want to solid axle swap my suburban. But you know, hydraulic hydro steer is expensive. And yeah. And it's pretty involved. Like, you know? Yeah. It's not just it's not just <clears throat> getting some links on a pitman arm and telling it to go. You're you're dealing with hydraulic systems, which aren't very friendly when it comes to messing up and 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 lines and fittings and and holding pressure yeah. and all these things. You're like, yeah. maybe hydro steer isn't the way you want to go. So you're saying no, no hydro steer, not not. Yeah, this is it, not the way. It was more to manage, and maybe one day I'm gonna regret it. I don't know. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna figure it out though. So I got the biggest box that I could get, which was like the PSC Huge. XD big bore. Um, I didn't get the JK one. It's just a Dodge 2500, 3500, like 07 to 17 or something like that. That's beefy. I got a big box. I got a big old box. So the first thing I read, getting to the point, forward-facing pitman arm, rearward-facing pitman arm was something that I was running into. Seeing the way that some of the boxes were cocked from the factory and trying to fit that into, you know, where the radiator was, where I have space on the frame. Am I going to pick a uh, uh, steering gear that goes outside the frame or inside the frame? These are all just things that you know I've debated for months and months and months of where everything's going to lie because I don't want to cut into it. I, in reality, I know it's going to come down to cut everything off, all the IFS stuff, and then favor it up in there and see if it fits. But the best I could, I tried to measure it out and make sure that I wasn't going to see any interference with that and where – Unless you have parts in front of you, it's hard to measure and estimate, but I try to just get as many measurements and dimensions as I could. So as I like would see a Chevy drive by or parked in the parking lot, I'd go over yeah. and measure something <laughs> like, ah, oh, shit, maybe this big arm will work or something. There so, were so many times. So, we... I'm sorry. No, no, good. Uh, so if, like, in short, the first thing you're going to say is, oh, you want a solid box axle swap your rig? Steering. Yeah, figure out your steering. What are you going to do? Because also – how how prevalence bump steer on a solid axle rig when you start actually cycling like you know 
you got to make sure. Plus yeah, inches. definitely. I mean, you got to make sure that you have your panner bar dimensions up. If you ever follow Wheel every weekend, he's always posting up about so that. So much info. You know, uh, all the proper geometry, how you can easily plan it out and make sure you don't have bump steer. Like It's one of the things that people think about sawed axle swaps is that they're just like, oh, it's a sawed axle. It's straight. It's, yeah. You know, no. there's no suspension geometry. You just throw a couple of leafs in there and like bing, bang, boom, and she's good to go. Like A-arms. No, that's trigonometry or something and you're like no you'll probably have to cut and turn the axle right i are you going to i'm not going to oh there's a lot of instances how are you getting around that i'm not really going to have like a super high ride height all the time you know i'm oh, it's not going to be it's not going to be much different than like say a stock jk well you know it's going to be different than a stock jk but i'm not making it so high up all the time that it becomes an issue, you know, it's only going to be out of cam. Like if I'm fully drooped out, that's when the uh, caster is going to be all fucked up, you know, or the driveline angle starts to become an issue. And that's not when you're actually at ride heights where moving. it's really an issue, you know, got it. Which when you have like 12 inches or 14 inches of travel that obviously you can't make it perfect everywhere along that yeah. range. I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, you can't make that perfect. It takes a lot of know? math. And with radius arms, you're pretty much just agreeing to having, you know, less than agreeable yeah, suspension which, which geometry. we need to mention that that's what you chose to do on this was the radius arms. Yeah, so like I originally was going to do a three-link, um, but we had the parts laying around, and at one point in time, I just decided, like, if I decide to go with these radius arms that we already have, I can do it sooner, less money spent, mm -hmm. you know. So that's what I chose, and which I'm right. just going to deal with the characteristics. You know, when you accelerate, you're not really you're, – you're going to see a lot of, like, rise in the front. You know, when you're braking, there's no anti-dive characteristics with radius arms. Um, I'm sure somebody's a genius and figured it out, but yeah. it's not me. So uh, whatever. That's it's, for it's, sure. I, I don't <laughs> that's really interesting. I'd say that's, I'd say that's the next step up, though, because as far as I'm concerned, like, your low-buck version of a straight-axle swap, right, would be – you get a vehicle that already it has IFS, but it has a steering box, right? That eliminates yeah. one whole thing, which like your suburban, right? That has its own yeah. steering yeah. box. Yeah, no, totally. Opinion. So you're already eliminating that part. Obviously, mm -hmm. you have to make sure that the geometry there is okay. You get a drop pitman arm or whatever. But like your first step, like in a low buck situation, would be buy some leaf springs, right? <laughs> like that's, that's the that's, lowest. That's about as cheap as you can get. Is yeah. yeah. Some leaf springs, whether it be like a rough country leaf spring or skyjacker or whatever it is just to get that thing under because that's like the least amount of not fab work because there's still some fab to that but it's the least amount of like head scratching you know you're not yeah. trying to figure out all these different angles and shit like that like it's just wherever they land up they're pretty much to a degree though there. but i mean the there's there's no um it doesn't hold that pumpkin in line with the well, it's not the best way to do case it, but it's by any means because it's just strapped, yeah. slapped straight to the bottom of the spring, and the spring just pushes it down. Yeah, you know, so that's one of those things where you might, again, thinking about ride height. I'd say the second most difficult thing is your ride height. Yeah, it's like steering. So one, you'd say steering. Two, yeah. ride height. Ride yeah. height. Definitely yeah. finding where where you want it to be, where it's gonna. Because really, what it comes down to is, I'm not trying to put. I'm. <laughs> This axle is six inches wider aside. Like my, my <laughs> it's so much wider. Batman. So, uh, and I had the dream that I wasn't gonna have to run glass, but I'm pretty sure that that dream is just out the window, or else <laughs> this thing's gonna be rolling dirty down the highway. So, big old mud flaps with God. grills on. Just, them. just make sure you leave the front fenders white. 
Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Oh, you got a SoCal? <laughs> the SoCal special? Yeah. SoCal livery? Yeah. Yeah, slap a rock star sticker on that thing and go, you know, curse out your stepdad. Corona. Shit. Shit. So figuring out how much travel, where I want my travel to be at, you know, uh, that kind of comes into ride height. Do I want to, you know, run the whole 70-30, 60-40, droop to full bump, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the uh, just There's that a lot of one stuff sentence you just said, I'm sure, like, I, if, because I'm, if I wanted a solid axle swap my verb, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> That's why I'm glad that he's doing this, because there are two other individuals at the table right now that their yeah, I think you. it would be sweet Thanks, to have Jake. a solid axle swap Suburban and a solid axle swap Tacoma. That would be rad. Oh, yeah. I would love to do my truck. I'm kind of I'm kind of quick and dirty though, so I might go Leaf Springs because I'm just kind of a, a, a. That's just how James does it. I mean, oh, yeah. I am. But do you think about it? Because like, I'm not the the truck's too long, the wheelbase is too wide, and the frame is not stiff enough to do anything that would prevent you from just being like why what 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 am i worried about on leaf springs because you buy a nice pack if you buy a diva pack and put the right valve shocks on it like you're going to ride just as smooth as absolutely anything else like it's gonna work yeah so, i think that, all i think forward. that and i know that i know that you can get a lot of articulation with leaf springs but i think the reason why jake is doing what he's doing versus a leaf spring is that it's just one step better right no, 100%. It's one step better, and, and uh, he can get more articulation probably than he could with a leaf spring. Um, even though I know people will argue with me all day about their leaf springs getting more articulation. I have revolver shackles. They're sick. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I, it's like, look, I get it, dude. I get it. Are they, are they sick, though? They were <laughs> like 2002, you know? Got it. Yeah. I'm going to get shit for that one. The other thing, too, yeah. The other thing, if too, we had a mailbox, it would be filling up as we speak. Yeah, not even about? posted yet. But the other thing you you got to think about too is like, what's the other step, right? Is you're going coilover, which is probably a huge advantage getting travel because if you were to have a regular like coil spring in there separate from a shock, yeah. Well, now you have to make sure that that shock length is long enough to where it's not like dropping out when you drop out to you know full droop. Yeah. And like kind of similar to the TJs do. The TJs have this long bump stop that comes down. So you kind of like get the thing to free float in there for a while. If you're like drooping out one side, you uh -huh. know? but I don't know. I think that's where the coil ever comes in plays. You don't have to worry about that. You get to throw the thing down as far as it'll possibly go with the limit of the shock length, obviously. Yeah. Smaller package is definitely nice. For sure. um, trying to package all the shocks is another thing. Like uh, there's a lot of stuff in there and the Explorer already is a pretty, busy engine bay with the five liter in it they really kind of crammed it in there so you got to be prepared to do a little bit of work in there and try to move some things around potentially because i was stupid enough to get 14 inch coilovers and you know them shits are long so <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, I was like ain't nobody gonna beat me so speaking of uh yeah. talked to my buddy andrew bradley one of my friends from up in oregon he was uh he looked at the john bull video and we were talking about it over text and he had an interesting question that uh occurred to me that I didn't necessarily know very precise answers to, but I answered it to the best degree I could. I wanted to ask you guys. Uh, we were looking at – he was looking at um, Ian's truck through at, at the uh, John Bull video. He goes, um, to run dual spring coils, you know what size shock you have to run? He's talking about length, by the way. Yeah. With. And he goes, I see they're running 14-inch coilovers, dual sprung. I was mostly curious at what size coilover you should start running duals. I'd like to build an old 4Runner and 
Meaning well, for instance, like on my Jeep, we're doing a coilover conversion right now, and I have a 12-inch stroke shock, and I have one 14-inch coil and one 12-inch coil. There you go. Um, I'm not sure if there's any real rule of thumb on any of that. I think it would just be finding a, a shock, uh, spring length, you know, because when I was getting springs for my Explorer, I got too short of springs. I think I got went with a 10-inch spring. Should have been a little bit longer because I, maybe I just needed a heavier weight because I had to preload the shit out of it. But what it came down to was they didn't even make a spring rate high enough. Maybe that was because it was IFS because it was, it was yeah, like 750 pounds. But or you something. need to take preload into consideration when you were purchasing the springs, especially when you're definitely going dual rate on something like a 12 inch 14. Right. So so think of like a dual rate, right? Like so I've got my shock fully extended it's a 12 inch stroke it's i think it's 31 inches eye to eye i've got a 14 and a 12 on there that's 26 of those inches right so five inches is just you know where there's no threads on the top there's the the space up to the eyelet right the bottom perch um so we're trying to occupy as much of the shock body as possible so if you had a 10 inch stroke maybe you're running two 12s or maybe you're running a 12 and a 10 if you're running an eight-inch stroke shock or a nine-inch stroke shock, maybe you're running an eight and a six, or you're running two eights. I don't know, right? You'd have to do all the math. But they sell they sell springs in all different Every shape shapes and size. And size. So so you can go to a dual spring as quickly whenever, as you want to. Whenever you want. Whenever you want. It just and the it, benefits therein are definitely. I mean, just so the benefits the benefits yeah, to the dual springs is that you basically are now having a progressive it's a dual spring rate right you have a progressive uh so like on a so like on a jeep would come with a spring and it and from the factory it's got small coils that are closer together and then it gets to be bigger coils and they're further apart and then it gets small again right so that's a that's just a dual rate spring right that spring is going to act differently at different points of compression but when we're talking about a coilover with two different springs, we're, we're keeping the same. We're keeping the same two and a half inch diameter, three inch diameter, all the way up, right? Yeah, it's a linear. So, so what happens is, is you know, uh, while one spring is working, uh, they're both working together, but at some point, one of those springs is going to hit the little floater puck in the middle, right? And it's going to come out of play, and then only the other spring is working. Yeah. And that's where we get Which our. Which creates dual springs. a progressive. Which creates a progressive feel on the road. Out right? of out of yeah. two linear rate springs, Correct. which is better. Yeah. Right. And then the whole idea is also to try and weigh your vehicle so that you can get the proper spring rate, right? Because the spring's only job is to hold up the vehicle. So you have to weigh um you have to weigh it. And we're talking about sprung weight versus unsprung weight. So unsprung weight is the weight that's not being held up by it. The axle, the brakes, the wheel, the tire, all that stuff is unsprung weight. Yeah, not going to run. It doesn't matter if I have a truck that weighs 5,500 pounds. Um, if I'm running A-arm versus a straight axle, I'm going to run different spring rates because the unsprung weight, weight, weights of the right. suspension components underneath the spring are different. Correct. Yeah. So <clears throat> on my Jeep, before we bought all the coils for my coilovers, we need to weigh the vehicle, subtract all of the unsprung weight, uh, which would be, if you want to get really technical, then you need to measure a control arm and take half of that weight off, mm -hmm. right? I think, Jake, drive shafts, is that half a weight as well? I don't even know what all the values so. are. 
I think it's it's approximately half, right? Because half of it's sprung weight, half of it's unsprung weight. I'm pretty sure it's half. Somebody can correct me. Um, but then then you and so when I'm weighing my Jeep, I'm weighing it with what I go wheeling. You know, I put my welder in there. I put my cooler in there with yeah with sodas, right? You have to yeah. See, do I always Same run thing one when passenger you do dirt bike suspension? You better be fully geared up with your water yes. pack on and all that stuff. And right. So just do the if you do all the things in the beginning, then you're not going to be buying a bunch of different springs trying to find the right thing. Or yeah. you'll see a guy who picked wrong maybe, and he's twisted the collar down so that, you know, he's got tons and tons and tons of preload in that in that thing just to try to get the body to be up higher. Well, now you're just taking away the effectiveness of those springs to work in a larger range of motion. So yeah, you want to don't uh, bottom out your springs. Yeah, you don't want to coil bind it. So I don't know. Just take a little time. Do some measurements, you know, borrow some scales. Uh, we used to back in the day maybe when we that's maybe that's the third one there. Well, we can do uh, springs. Yeah, springs. We can yeah. do a whole thing on springs. Maybe we'll do a video on springs. Yeah, good idea. So um, solid axle swap so far is things you're not gonna see coming. The steering. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dang it. What was the second one? Uh, the shock. So shock packaging, like where you're gonna fit all that stuff inside the fender well. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you go like leaf sprung or you go coil sprung or you go coil over. So that's actually suspension design. Yeah. Right. So yeah, suspension sure. design and yeah, then pick springs. What, pick what type of design you want for your yeah, solid axle. Which yeah. all comes into the budget of it. In my yeah. Opinion. I mean, that's true because obviously the best way to go would be what, like. Cantilevers are sick. Cantilevers but it takes. Sick. You got to be smart enough to know how to apply, like, whatever. No, the best way would be, like, a three link, right? Three link would probably be the best way. Three link on coilovers. Yeah. And you're like, you that's gotta, with, a, we, with a hydro steer. Yeah. And that's what ultra four dudes are running and that's what you should run you yeah. gotta remember too, if you right? have thirty thousand dollars <laughs> for your front suspension there there's also a, a, a lot of ways to do it right so you have to think of how are you going to drive it what are you actually going to go do you going um, fast yeah are you going to go fast you're going to go just rock crawl are you going to go both you're going to you're just you're going to drive it rig. to the mall or what, you know what's what are you funny is do? these things start to uh uh multiply on each other so it's not just like you know a plus b equals c it's it's once you answer one question, it multiplies the variables for how you answer the other questions, oh, and those sure. things multiply the variables after that. And so it's really interesting because you're just like, well, no, I solved the first problem. And you're like, no, you don't understand that curtailed you in certain ways for the rest. So, yeah. I mean, from the ground up, you should choose your axle. And, of course, right? I think yep. first thing is choose what axle you're going to use. Definitely. Because that's going to tell you what kind of knuckles you can have and what kind of uh, – steering setups are already out there for the aftermarket and all that jazz that's, i mean that's that's how i went i picked the axle then i picked the wheel and the wheels and the offset i was gonna go because i had to kind of see where the package was gonna lie with the frame rails and how wide because i mean obviously my math sucked because that shit is wide but you know <laughs> or do, did it suck I mean, I'm stoked. I, yeah, it's just track the, width, the rear matching it is my only issue. I have to run at least one-inch spacers in the rear. I did the uh, chromoly axles back there that already added an inch on each side because of the uh, C-clip in it, eliminator. Yeah, the C-clip eliminator kit. So we'll see. We'll see if it looks all you know funny looking with the narrow white rear end. So yeah, there's a there's another I would say unexpected expense, but say you were to do. Uh, a three link opposed to a radius arm right like if you have a three link you have to get six johnny joints pretty much I, like that was one johnny of my joints. things they are, oh yeah and they are, are pricey which is super <laughs> spendy right or 
you get two Johnny joints because you have a radius arm set up where those two Johnny joints are going on your frame side. On the axle side, you just put Delrin bushings or poly bushings, you know? Way cheaper than going... <laughs> I would assume like, or, the price of all those bushings is probably equivalent to like half of a Johnny joint. Hell yeah, Or dude. you buy a $600 custom-made set of beavers with like, you know... They're, they're six hundred bucks anymore. They're not. No, I don't dude, think they're so. twelve hundred minimum. Oh, Deaver, what are you doing? Oh, because the steel. And yeah, probably, probably because of the price of steel. America, twenty twenty. Deaver, what are you doing to me, man? When well, I was, we, we when got I was like sixteen. Yeah, exactly. Brand new set was six hundred dollars, and I was well, like, I'm gonna put anymore. De- I'm gonna put Deavers on the back of my pre-runner. Mm-hmm. I never. I did crash. I did blow up a Celica once though. That was yeah, you did. That was a great time. Um, so, what oh, I had one more thing on the sawed axles too me right now no i mean those are important get the biggest effing brakes you can put on that what thing. about oh that was one thing that i ran into was yeah. when you think about swapping over to the new set of brakes you know master cylinder size actually does come into play right because different size calipers think about that because you're looking underneath the motor yeah, yeah. Bella. <laughs> you're like, oh, i'm gonna put an axle underneath the motor i don't have to look over the motor for that master cylinder <laughs> <laughs> luckily when you go on like rock auto you look up some like you know the lower brand parts there's a lot of specs on them surprisingly so you can find They're like really good with that bore diameters and whatever and the jeep jk has the same master cylinder bore diameter as the ford explorer does so i'm gonna go ahead and say that it'll, it'll work for now there's also because stroke comes into play with that too, right? Like I, certain. I don't know. I didn't look at that. Yes, a certain. <laughs> I would well, imagine it's important, but uh, I'm yeah. not going to pay attention. I don't to think it. that's as important as the as the actual bore, though. I, mean, I guess if you can bleed your shit really. I well. I think that if the JK has the same size bore master cylinder as the Explorer, then you'll be just fine. I think it's, so. It's still going to go so to the floor too. It's way. just not going to stop yeah. like a normal <laughs> exactly. JK or. Yeah, you remember the brakes have always sucked ass on this thing. Here's here's one of the other things that I think you'll benefit from too is the aftermarket support with the JK axle right like the amount of how many diffs you can get the gearing super easy to come by the big brake kits that you can get like all that stuff is super easy to get it may be expensive but that was kind of the reason why i chose i've sat and ch- waited between the jk steering box and the big dodge one and kind of just hoped that well i'll get one that's not going to break and then i won't need spares but with all the jk stuff the one thing that's nice is like on the trail has a JK, so hopefully yeah. I can use somebody's yeah. <laughs> spare parts. You know, um, I, just, I have JK knuckles, JK front brakes, JK axle. Yeah. Um, the only, I'm gonna make a custom uh, front tie rod, and then the drag link's gonna be custom as well. But I'll use a stock one just to do the sizing on it. So, no, I think it's I, gonna. Oh, be I a, remember what my aside was here. Um, I've done three cutting turns with David over my shoulder oh yeah to ask questions and i still wouldn't do a cut and turn by myself at this point <laughs> no no there's i wouldn't a lot to because it. there's so much to it and there's so many ways that you can mess it up i'm talking like if you're doing your measurements and you're setting this thing up and you bump it yeah and it falls out of spec yeah if you if you do it you can mess it up just by welding it back together like with everything clamped yeah. on if you don't weld it right and so there's just you know do if you first of all try to avoid cut and turn altogether, <laughs> yes. With your ride height, if if that's possible and it works for you, just don't don't go in there and be like, well, I want heck of ground clearance and I don't care, I'm gonna do it. Probably just don't try to do that. And secondarily, if you are gonna do it, because it is really neat, and I'm definitely not that guy who's just like, don't do it, it's too hard. You can never figure it out. No, you can totally figure it out. But like, either a study, take notes, and have a really bulletproof step by step plan before you start getting into that. 
um, or grab somebody who know who actually knows what they're doing, and not your buddy who says my uncle's done it a couple times, and we can no like <laughs> yeah in his garage though yeah go and find somebody who really knows what they're doing yeah you can or call David up. he loves when they he gets yeah. come on in <laughs> if you guys come in here I will have James do your cut and turn but don't worry I'll watch it yeah. So much effort. How many hammers do we break doing a cut and turn? <laughs> we one. I remember the the one. Like I think it was the second one actually, where we broke like two hammers in one day, and then you had to buy a special hammer. Yeah, I'm like, forget it. I'm just gonna go buy a good hammer. And so he yeah. bought the best hammer on the Snap On truck. We need like a big, like 20 pound sledgehammer. I think. Yeah, I I one? used to have one, um, but when it's available to use, you tend to grab it and use it more often. And I want us to have a little more finesse. <laughs> David, you know I have I am finesse with a hammer. Like we've got a forklift now. Like seriously, people, we've never had a forklift. We have a forklift now, and it's I'm a little afraid that we're gonna be like, ah, oh, just grab the forklift. Go yeah. grab the forklift. On everything. Yeah. I was like tearing apart the motor home when I you think it'll come right out. Oh dude. Terrible ways so, of tearing that thing apart. So we're out there <laughs> last week working on a motorhome. Uh Brian's motorhome. We're putting sway bars in it. Yeah. And these people are walking by. Just random people walking by in the street in the business park, and they they said, "You're gonna tear that one apart too." And I said, <laughs> oh, "Wait, yeah. I said, I said, wait, what? What are you what, what are you talking about?" And they're like, "Oh no, no, we just loved." Apparently, they're from the building across the way, and they could see <laughs> every day. They could see a little bit more, oh, a little God. bit more of that motorhome disappearing. <laughs> what a nightmare! And so the guy was just laughing, like, "Oh man, that thing looks too nice to cut up. You're not gonna cut it up, are you?" And I'm like, "No, no, not this one. No, we're just gonna crash a forklift in the side." So of it. apparently, a lot of people in the business park were very entertained with. You're welcome. The, the slow. I need to find those videos and watch them again. Recycling. I walked out every they day so good. that Jake was working on that, and I would yell at him. I'd go, what a deal. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> That's the truth. Oh, my God. So, that was fun. I mean, sorry. Did we have five on? Yeah, did, did we, we get, get five Did things? we get to five of the unexpected things that you need to know? We got steering, suspension design, springs, springs. Brakes. Oh, brakes. Uh, and wheel and tire size. Wheel and tire size, yeah. I guess that goes into picking the axle. Yeah, that kind of sh- I guess that's, yeah. that's yeah. one. I guess we kind of had more, yeah. We probably yeah. had more than five there. But. And, and yeah, if you wheel and tire size with some of these IFS vehicles, you got to push the – you got to make them longer, you know, because I'm running into the firewall already. So 35s right now, the way I'm designing it, it won't fit 37s, so I might push it forward like one more inch, hoping that one day if I decided to put 37s in it – Minimal clearance. I mean, it would fit. the more forward you push it. I know better approach angles, all that business. How far forward do you have to push it before it comes like? I mean, at, at a at a ninety or zero degree zero, or ninety, even, even negative. Like, you see some of those buggies that like the wheels literally like three or four inches in front of the front bumper. I love it. Which oh, is yeah. pretty cool, I think. I love it, girl. <laughs> Jake, what have we found on my uh, my Jeep? Converting it to coilovers. What are some things that we didn't anticipate? So. TJs and LJs, a lot of people go outboard shocks, right? Because where the shock mounts in the rear on the top part of it, there's only so much room to go up unless you were to like cut your floor out. So what people do is they take them out from the inside of the frame and they mount the shocks on the outside of the frame, hence the name outboarding shocks. Um, In our case, we're going coilover. Um, Reasoning for that, it wasn't that much more expensive for how much better it that's what we tell ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's what we tell ourselves for sure. Well, the main thing too is that in the Sexy. in the back, if yeah, we do exactly. an outboard 
we do an outboard shock, you're still not, now your limitation is how far that coil will stretch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. So by combining it to a coil over, it just solves the problem. It's an engineer's dream though. They mm. love when you mount that 90 degrees right over the edge. Oh. They're like, yeah. Oh man, all my calculations are so, so straightforward oh. now. <laughs> they can math it up. But there's, there was a lot of unexpected because it's been done a thousand times with regular shocks and it's probably been done hundreds, hundreds of times with coilovers too. You know, yeah. a lot of people go it's nothing new. on a TJ or an LJ. Um, but the issue that you have is, so you have to notch out the frame, right? You notch out the frame and they actually sell like integrated shock towers that also do the notching of it. So, which is what we did, right? We didn't make our own. We, just we didn't make our it. own. It's way too easy to spend, you know, a couple hundred bucks and get yourself a kit. That's like pretty, pretty set up. We got the it. synergy one, right? Uh, it was from poly performance, oh, poly performance. Yeah. Which was one of like, I wouldn't say one of the originators, but they make a really nice kit. The lower shock mounts are nice. They actually like protect the lower part of the shock from getting hit by a rock. They're all plated underneath. So it was a good kit. It's really nice and thick metal. Um, so basically you notch out the frame, you put this coilover in, you have to take your measurements, right? Because basically what we did is we put the thing to full bump. We saw how much room we have under the body from where the dip would hit it, where we'd hit exhaust, where we'd hit all that stuff, right? So you go full bump, both wheels all the way up, and then you have to start flexing it. So you drop it back down, you put one wheel as far up as it can go, the other one all the way down, and then you start looking at, okay, well, where can I physically go as high as I can without rubbing on the fender? So then you get to that point. You take some measurements, figure out how far down you're going to be there. Um between the frame and all that stuff. So then you take that all back down, make some measurements as to where you want the shock to mount, right? Because ideally when you're fully like articulated, you want the shock to bottom out right before you get to your fender and start rubbing on your fender. So that's the idea. No way, it. bro. That's it. I want to know when I'm bottomed out. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's, yeah. Like I'll, little tattletales. Yeah, the bop, pop, 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 pop. But, there then, goes the but then as your tires wear down, like, it's not going to be the same effect, you know? Like, so, Well, and here's the other thing, too, right now, right? <laughs> so <tires>. so <laughs> Jake was talking earlier about droop. And so what uh, a lot of people who are designing their suspension are going to first decide uh, how much droop they want to be at during ride height, right? So how much of – so we can simply measure that. Uh, to do it simply, just if your shock has a 12-inch stroke and you want to set the thing up at 50-50, then at ride height you would want six inches of shock shaft showing, right? That's just a quick reference on how to tell you're at 50% droop, right? Well, in my instance, um, I'm not going to do what everybody else does because why would we do that here? When have we ever done what everybody else does? So I basically told Jake, look, when we're designing this thing, I want you to put my vehicle at full flex and with one tire stuffed, let's measure that distance. And at that distance, I want my shock to be completely compressed right so that when it does drop out then i'm getting the maximum amount of drop as possible on that axle yeah and if that means that my ride height if i'm riding around it you know with only three inches of shock shaft showing at ride height because that's the other thing right i don't want my jeep really high yeah i want my jeep really low well especially i think i think with how much weight you have in that in that jeep with all the tools and everything that you use you don't want it to be super high that's no. like the biggest thing, right? If, yeah. if you had less weight and it was a little more agile, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal to go a couple more inches up. Maybe do set it up at that 50-50 rate that everyone likes. 
but in this case, this thing is heavy. Like it is fully yeah. weighted. And down. I and I and I know people have told me, you know, take take some shit out of your Jeep. You know, why do you, you know, whatever. I, I do me. You do you. This is what I want. I want my Jeep to be low center of gravity. I want way more dropout than I have. You know, I want way more. You know, down travel than I do up travel. I don't. Yeah. I don't care. Um, and other people. Nothing can, looks sicker than like a slammed truck on 35 hell yeah i want my truck I, as to, i want my the body to be as low to the tires as so here's the deal james i got 37s now and my fenders my fender arches are only going to be what like a five few inches five or six five inches, inches at the most away from the top of my tire God, that's so, hot. so rolling down the street it's, it's just squatty. super squatted and low but then when we go off-roading it's just going to drop it just out drops and i may be shitting the bed everything. on this right and I'm, i might go out off-roading and be not happy with it um but I, I don't think, think I'm going to be. I, I think, think I'm going to be happy I with it. I think that's the way. No, nah, dude, you're, you're milking it for sure. <laughs> At the end of the day, though, all it takes is different springs to get it up a little bit higher or just crank those springs and give them some. Yeah, we can change it later. Like, I just want to go for ideally what I'm looking for as far as the way it looks and the way it performs. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll make a video of it. I think James has said we're going to try to make a video of the whole conversion and then going out and testing it. We'll put it on the RTI ramp and put it up against some of our other customers' Jeeps that Long have arm, fully built systems. Over. We'll see how it works. We'll see how it works. It'll be interesting. It will. And the other thing, I think one of the other big deals, right, is that on a TJ, you have a shorter rear drive shaft where your LJ has a really long drive shaft. So we don't really have to worry about, like, getting into a weird predicament where your, your slip yoke or not your slip yoke eliminator, but your, like, plunger on your drive shaft yeah. comes out of play, like, all that weird stuff, I feel like, is less of a case on an LJ. How often is that coming into play? How often do the short wheelbase crowd run into problems with drooping out past their... Well, on the on the two-door Jeeps, uh, it's a big problem on the TJs. That's why everybody who's got a TJ uses a slip yoke eliminator, and that solves a lot of the problem. Got it. Because your, your drive shaft itself is extending. It's not coming out of the transmission. You know what I mean? If yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. Sense, which you got a little double carding up there now, and then the the drive shaft itself plunges. Yes. If you, uh, David actually has a video on what a slip yoke eliminator there you go. does. Go look yep. that up on YouTube. What it go is it. specifically because it's one of those words that I, for the longest time, used because I thought I knew what it was, and I was wrong. Or S Y E, as everyone calls it on the interweb. Yeah. Well, that I mean, just learn how it's to abbreviation acronyms. Acronyms. So anyway, it was it's really cool to dive into it. Um, I'm excited to actually have it like legitimately burned in and functioning and on its own weight. But the other thing that we're running into is when you have a coilover. So this is a 2.0 coilover, which means the body itself is two inches, but you're having a 2.5 inch spring which ID is the ID. So your OD of that spring is actually three. Three or three and a quarter inches, something like that. Three or and a no, quarter, three and a half. I think. Three and a half. Yeah. So now you have three and a half inches of spring sitting in between your frame and your tire. So the issue that we're running into is his wheels, which he's committed to because they're nice OMF feedlock. You can't you can't just change the offset of your wheel without like going to a spacer, let's say, right? Which I don't think there's anything wrong with the spacer. Tons of people run them, um, as long as they don't like seize on there and. I think everything's good if you don't yeah, do I think that. Proper maintenance on them and prop, you know, so installations. I've talked crap on spacers for a really long time. I'm still not a huge fan, but I realize that as long as you're not being ridiculous, usually people get in trouble with spacers when they're looking for the stance, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's all about the stance. 
stands. When so they I, want the stands. I I I think that there's something to be said for spacers on an IFS versus spacers on a solid axle as well, right? Because um, there's the 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 center of the the force of that tire has with the spacer is now moved out, right? Yes. Which then puts excessive force on the bearings, the ball joints, all those parts get a, a little bit more force than they would if there was no spacer. More leverage, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the math, right? Yeah. And so, and also scrub radius is gets so, pretty out. That's true. Correct. So, um, I've ran them in the past on my Jeep successfully. Um, I've seen them on a lot of other Jeeps. I'm going to have to run them on this one because like Jake said, I've got my OMFs on there and I'm so deep into this project. I'm not willing to purchase new wheels at this time. So I'm going to space them out and I'm going to run what I have with spacers. Uh, it's not to say that down the road, I won't eventually switch them out to the proper wheel size, but wheel size is an issue. So when you're going to do this project and you've got this piece of paper with all your costs on it, uh, coils and coilovers and fox shocks and all the other ins and outs that go with it, um, you should really consider that you're probably going to have to buy new wheels too. The unexpected expenses. Yeah. Back to that. Yeah. Know. Odds are you don't have the right wheels for uh, outboard coilover for your Jeep. You're going to have yeah. to buy different wheels. There was there was one more thing too that we ran into is that like talking about packaging everything in the right spot, right? Well, on a stock TJ or LJ Dana 44 in the rear, the brake lines literally run right where you have to cut off all the brackets to weld lower shock mounts to. So now, guess what? You either have to go buy new hard lines and reroute hard lines, or you do what we did, which is get steel braided lines and run steel braided lines all the way from, you know, where it mounts to the axle all the way out to the wheel. But to the you don't think when you're doing a coilover swap, you're going to have to do new brake lines. But guess what, everybody? Guess what? You got to do it. Yeah. Well, did you did you say about the e-brake, too? Oh, so the e-brake, too. So... <laughs> So, 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 so did you tell him about thing. the flip, right? So, so the caliper is at the back, right? It's on the back side of the axle. We have to flip it to the front side of the axle to make room for the coilover to mount. As, so that's, you're doing that, which means the e-brake isn't going to work, so you've got to buy No big deal because there's Mr. Blaine at, um, what is it, Black, Black Magic, Magic Brakes? And Mr. Blaine has all these things you need to flip that, and it's bolt-in. It's super simple. It's bitching. We also bought his big brake upgrade kit for the front of my Jeep. So now we basically have, you know, uh, Ram 1500 brakes up front. Um, so it's not an issue. It's not something you have to figure out because Mr. Blaine's already figured it out. So on a TJ, it's God super simple. God bless these people. Yeah. This so. dude did the outboard shock kit in like, what, 97, he said was his first one, which yeah. the Jeep came out. In, or I think he said 98, and the TJs came out in 97. Yeah, know? so he's he's been, he's been doing it a long time. So he had a lot of good information for us. Um, but yeah, there's all that stuff, right? Brakes have to, calipers had to be flipped, big brake kit up front. Which you use every bit of real estate that those calipers being flipped to the front side of the Every axle, piece. Because you're taking the whole backing plate off, right? And you're flipping it from the driver's side to your passenger side, your passenger side to your driver's side. So now all of a sudden your caliper's out of the way, but you use every bit of that real estate, especially with the coilover. I think if you went with a regular shock, which is a lot skinnier, obviously, you probably wouldn't run into these issues. I'd say you can get away with it. If you didn't have a coilover to like mount that thing wherever you want with the caliper still back there, but with a coilover, it just takes up way too much real estate, you know. It's got to take your time and make sure everything's going to fit before you weld it all in. Yeah. yeah. As get with a, anything, get a good welder. Make sure you, you got a good so welder. Fucking smart. Yeah. We just, totally are. We do know the questions to ask. 
That's, that's why, why they pay us the big bucks. That's why I'm glad even with, you know, Jake doing all this math and the, you guys doing the same stuff with your Jeep, David. I mean, yeah, we want to sass our stuff, and I want to do it, like, myself, you know. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Yeah, it's because you looked at your phone in the middle of of, of, of <laughs> I was told to look at my phone. <laughs> No, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I want to do it, and I want to go jack. If you want to solid axle swap your car, go jack up the front of it and stare at it for an hour. Yeah, I mean, but we... even even like okay, so I'm helping around here, and even doing things myself in a garage or with my friends most of my life is 100% different. I come to learn. I hang out here a lot, right? But the things that you guys have been teaching me, well, you're fired. <laughs> you're fucking fired. The things that you guys have been teaching me about attention to detail and not tricks to do things in like a sketch way, but to make them better, not only visually, but operationally and mechanically. Mostly just how to it, measure things. It is right? completely <laughs> fucking dumbfound me, honestly. And Dude, it's just taking well, time to do things, right? Like, and the other thing, too, is like you were saying, go look under your vehicle. Like, really stare at it and see what you Grab can do. Grab a picture of what you want and then go underneath your vehicle and look at what you have and just keep looking at the picture of what you want and looking at what you have and making notes going, oh, yep, that's not the same. That's not the yep. same. Yeah. We, all, we all played those, those matching games when you grew up. Dude, and that's the internet. Like, and every time you find something that's not the same, just go ahead and tack on anywhere from two to five hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Going and like back. forty hours <laughs> and forty hours of time. Yeah. And at the box. end of it, you should have build this that looks something like what? You, what'd you say, Jake? Thirty five hundred dollars? Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 you, you never add it all up. I don't know. Yeah. An RV's worth, an F one hundred's worth, and like a years and years and years of buying and selling like the shittiest vehicles on the face of the earth to make yeah. like a hundred bucks and being like, no, that was worth it. Well, and, going you know. back to what Kevin was talking about a minute ago, cause he's been hanging out and helping around the shop. And, um, I mean, I, I grew up, uh, working in my own garage, doing my own things. Right. So I was a shade tree mechanic or whatever. And there was, there was that way to do it. They like to call it, they like call me a shade tree mechanic. Like it's a, I would install, I would badge iron. <laughs> You work outside. Hopefully, there's a tree to work under, and you're not in the sun. That would be super nice, wouldn't it? Or you guys get to work in the alley all next week. Thanks for the comment. Mm -hmm. But what you do in your garage to get something done versus what we have to do here because we're a a business that's selling something that is is better than what you can do in your garage, right? So Kevin would be worth it if it wasn't. Something (laughs) something simple like, hey Kevin, can you please, you know. hook this wire up from this point to this point right and it's like you don't just go grab a butt connector right that's not the way we do it so there was a whole class yesterday with kevin on how we do wiring and it's going to be totally different than the way you would do wiring in your garage with your buddies most likely um oh it is so i don't i don't do the worst i don't do the worst wiring myself (laughs) uh but when i came here i learned how to wire properly I think that's the first thing I do when you guys start to come hang around. You got all four of you probably. The first thing I had you do is probably wire something so that you realize like, oh, shit, this is okay. This is going to be different. Oh, wait, working on cards isn't fun. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want to do this anymore. I thought it was better because it actually makes me realize not how much I've fucked up in the past, but how much cleaner it could have been very easily. Yeah. You know, and and the, the cost of material for those things. If you keep fucking up, obviously that adds up, but it's you're not making like a hundred dollar decision. 
it's 50 cents here, 10 cents here, but the outcome of it looks like it was a very expensive job. Well, yeah. those but heat, the simplicity is key. Those heat wrap, uh, uh, so, solder, soldering, that's Sold, so hard. Solder Soldering. The hard word such for me cheating. Saying. Like, they're oh, cool. Yeah. Definitely the cheater those. way. God, those are great. <laughs> yeah, there's. There's some cool tricks. They're better than the pinchy blue boys that I've used since I was 13. Yeah. And, 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 and all honesty, special. too. I, I pinch this, and I'm like, why it no work? I'm like, because you know pinch. Very good. Because you, you bought a 50-pack for $4.99 exactly. at O'Reilly. You yeah. know? Like, maybe that's why. I don't know. Because you were crushing it with, like, a screwdriver. <laughs> you get a hammer Instead a of actually using a crimping tool. I had to do it with some, like, actual cutting tools one time and every single time you're like oh god it's not uh, tight enough to like nope. make it tight but then you go a little bit further and just cuts it, it just right cuts it right now like, oh there we go that's yeah. for another one thick oh <laughs> right, hey there's some butt connectors there's some blue butt connectors out there that are probably still in a car that are running perfect yeah, yeah no, 100%. that's true but i'm just not i don't take that risk being a business owner i'm gonna do it better yeah 100 yeah. percent. and there's probably i mean you go from like the shade tree mechanic to the next step up would be what we do right where we try and heat shrink everything and it's got loom on it and you know you do your best to make it look good but then there's like mills mill spec which we, like, we we do mill spec too but um we rarely find anybody who's willing to pay the price because yeah. it's mm. so much more intense than than doing you yes. know like just your even just your regular wiring job that we do where you're looming it and stuff like that it is like way precise yeah wiring is one of those things where it's it, it is definitely uh you have to ask the customer what their budget is and then if the budget isn't high enough to even get it to our level, then we won't do it at all. Um, but it has to at least get to our first stage of uh, <laughs> wiring of, I don't want your car to catch on fire. I'm sorry. So it's going to be expensive. So it's going to be Fancy. expensive. Um, in closing, if you are thinking about solid axle swapping your car, don't. Just buy a dirt bike. Yeah, buy dirt that's the truth. Or here's a wacky idea. Stop buy something it. that already has a solid axle oh, in it. Why yeah. don't you just already buy a solid axle? <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I know they sell them. Here's I another idea. Maybe like a 2001 Jeep TJ special There's edition. one for sale. Only <laughs> 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 1800 in that color. Just new keep, motor. New used motor. Brand just new motor. Keep enjoying your IFS car and how nicely it drives on the road, everybody. Like, why, yeah. why not this fantastic little Kevin's number. truck does drive pretty nice. My yeah. truck drives great. When the wheels stay on. Uh, also, yeah, that was the big thing. When the wheels don't fall. So yeah. not only uh, with that, you guys, um, what did we do? We did the... No, Kevin, this is in closing. In closing. We'll talk about in, it next time. In closing, what we did it's was... His first closing. Closing. <laughs> it's his first podcast, everybody. We're closing. I know but I'm closer to the microphone. Am I, am I supposed to touch it? So next Can you time, hear my tongue? we will talk about King of the Hammers and how we're going to help out the Team Stearns this year again and what we learned from last year. And we're also going to tell you about all the crap we're going to find trying to put coilovers in the front of my Jeep because I'm sure we're going to find oh, more dude. problems. Yeah, I'm going to open this back up real quick. So what we're going to do here is close this. All right, go ahead, David. <laughs> <laughs> this has been the Bent Motorsports Podcast. Thanks for listening in. Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Bent Motorsports. Stay updated on the latest happenings, future projects, videos, and events here at the shop. Remember, guys, at Bent Motorsports, bits in stock, we've got it.